Welcome to the Exit 68 podcast with your co-hosts, Matt, Justin, and Ben. Welcome back, gentlemen. Proud to be with you tonight as we recap a relaxing 72-60 win over Butler and an absolutely turbulent 60-53 win over DePaul, where at times your your heart's about to stop. It's kind of similar to a lot of games we've seen with this team over the years. They ended up winning. Obviously, there's a, a lot of other more important things that happened during this week. Justin, uh, I'd like to call you in to, to start us off. Yeah, Matt, two, two good wins this week, two good Big East road wins, especially without Boot Knight. But it, it goes without saying that the mind of UConn fans, players, coaches, and alumni were, uh, were on D-Row this week after his passing at 91 years old. Where the program is today and, and what the program has become wouldn't necessarily be possible without his efforts. Only coached for, for eight years on the sideline as, as the head coach of the Huskies, but really his efforts as the AD, um, you know, founding the fundraising arm of UConn Athletics, building Gamble Pavilion, leading the coaching searches to find Jim Calhoun and, and Gino Oriam. And not only was he, you know, fantastic at his day job, but just an even better person. And I think, you know, you saw some of the out, outpours of support and, and remembrance of him from college basketball icons, you know, Jay Billis all over ESPN, obviously the UConn faithful, but just a, a super beloved Hall of Famer who put UConn on the map for where they are today. So RIP to D row and, you know, two big wins this week in his honor. Justin, if if there's no D row, I'm not wearing this throwback crew neck right now. You know, we're just another trash basketball team up in the Northeast, like BU wearing master in their games. But no, we're, we're UConn and, and I couldn't be happier. So rest in peace to him. And, and you just look at one person who had an impact that spread through millions of lives. And, and that's something that's awesome to see and talk about and celebrate. Gentlemen, obviously the wins were nice to see, but before we touch upon anything that happened on the floor, we need to talk about the AP poll being released on Monday and the 25 we saw next to UConn's name in the DePaul box score. Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's finally a little bit of a, a bit of a resurrection, especially a good feeling for UConn fans. Um, you know, we haven't been ranked since the 2016, 2017 season. And, uh, you know, UConn, UConn had appeared in the top 25 poll at some point during the regular season for 19 straight seasons before that. So the hiatus that we've gone on is something that we haven't felt for, you know, almost 20 years at this point. So, you know, seeing, seeing the ranking, seeing we're getting the national respect and, you know, even guys like uh, I think Gottlieb had us all the way up at his 18th or 16th ranked team in the nation. So we're starting to get the respect we deserve and the big East logo helps that a lot. And the strength of schedule helps that a lot, but, I love that everyone's embraced the famous Hurley quote of you better get us now because we're coming. And it, it hasn't been more true as to uh, our reemergence into the top 25 this week. Yeah. I think leading into the polls, I saw a couple columnists who I follow that follow UConn predicted them to be up to, I think the highest one I saw, the best rating that I saw was 16, but you know, we'll take 25. I think another promising thing I saw as well was USC got 48 votes to be in the top 25 as well. So that's only going to shed good light on our resume going forward, you know, as the season goes on and heading into March. I think these, I think the players and the coaches notice these things, right? Too. You see guys tweeting about it. You see guys talking about it in the post game, stuff like a ranking, like a top 25 ranking matters to these guys getting the recognition for the work that they've put in and, and how far they've come matters to these guys. So again, 
a big moment for the program, a big moment for fans, and a big moment for the players. With all this talk about top 25 and all the hype surrounding UConn, you still got Tyrese Martin coming out and telling people that they practice like maniacs and no one practices like them. Just think of this anvil that Dan Hurley has been pounding since he got here. It's finally starting to to really show some results, and this culture that he's instituting, it, it really starting to look legit. Okay, gentlemen, now to talk about the actual game. I think one thing you can kind of point to between these two games were the emergence of Tyrese Martin as a legitimate second option. And although it wasn't pretty at times, he got the job done for us in the box score and, and we came out with two wins. That's all that really matters in the end. What did you boys see out there from him and, and the team playing without Book Knight? I saw in the last two games – Obviously, the the resurgence of you know who our secondary scores are going to be. So Polly has been hot now for four games, but Martin is the guy who Hurley really wants the ball in his hands down late. Um, I thought it was interesting down the stretch in the DePaul game. I think it was like an eight minute stretch or so. Felt like Martin just he was having trouble in the lane trying to hit layups. Um, DePaul was a really scrappy team, so. Martin was visibly frustrated getting to the rim and not getting certain calls, not seeing the ball fall his way. You know, he got to the line, missed a couple crucial free throws. I think he was around 50% for the game. And uh, I know the audio picked up a little expletive when he, when he missed one late in the game. But I think the most encouraging thing to see from Martin's game was despite that eight-minute stretch or so in the DePaul game, he was still our go-to guy and his confidence never wavered. Um, he was poised, he was intense, and uh, clearly he's somebody, you know, outside of book night that Hurley is going to want to go to uh, here on out. Yeah, he, he's emerged as the second or third option, right? I think Polly kind of for the first time this year got a lot of attention against DePaul. They, they sent a lot of guys at him. He was having a difficult time coming off screens and getting the normal touches that he does. And he got the attention ultimately that you would expect a guy who's currently top 20 in the nation in offensive efficiency to get, especially with Book Knight out. So I think it's it's good to know that Martin's a guy who can answer answer the call when needed. And there were a couple takes that he had at the end where every single person knew he was going to the rim and he still got there. And he did, I think early on in the game, you saw some of the, the layup yips that he's kind of been dealing with to start the year. I don't know if he just hangs on to the ball too long or if he's too high in the air even sometimes. Um, but he tends to miss a lot of layups around the rim. And he, he kind of got over that, had a nice left-hand finish to, to put us up by five towards the end of the game and, and really close it out for us. So I think, again, anyone in the Big East, especially on the road, is is a big win. And, and we matched our win total on the road um, from last year. So, you know, wow. only eight games into the season. So, again, this team's toughness and, and playing without Book Knight. And it is DePaul who's probably at the bottom of the barrel for the Big East, but – wins a win and it's the emergence of those two guys is the biggest takeaway with Booth Knight out the last two games. I think the best thing to see was the amount of attention Polly got because it shows how much it can open up this offense. And now imagine all those drives by Tyrese Martin are now drives by James Book Knight and you have him sitting out waiting for a rebound. This team just becomes that much more dangerous. I'm someone who kind of considers himself an optimist. I can't help but seeing that and uh, when he comes back, especially as a cook continues to progress, the team's going to get absolutely scary. One thing uh, I, I didn't like to see, though, obviously it was something that was a strength coming into the game. DePaul uh, handed us our lunch a little bit on the glass. Ben, what did you see out there? 
So I think it's one thing that Justin touched on last uh, last episode was um, I think for Sonogo at least Sonogo's a guy he has a soft touch around the rim his hands aren't that great and he still has to learn the positioning of being a big man and I think that goes for Carlton as well Whaley is a guy who's always going to have active hands and he's going to get to the ball whether it's by block steal rebound what have you but I just feel like it was a lot of positioning I also think it sounds kind of weird to say but I think I felt like I was watching the Paul game and every one of their misses was back rim and once that back rim ball flies in the air it's anybody's ball I felt like I was watching that all game so it was just one of those ugly games where things aren't going to go your way. You got to try your best just to get the ball any way you can. So I think we're, we're still up there on offensive rebound in the country. So that's good to see, but hopefully things change with our next game against St. John's. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of weird, uh, I'd echo that a lot of weird ricochets off the backboard. Sometimes when you get a team who's not, you know, I, I won't say DePaul's not highly skilled because they're division one basketball players, but a lot of weird four shots that took odd bounces. But one thing I will say is, well, we sit at the top of the the leaderboard in the nation in terms of O boards. We're in the bottom quadrant um, in terms of defensive rebound, meaning we give up more O boards than I think last time I looked, it was 80% of the nation. So, you know, defensive rebounding isn't necessarily our strong suit. Uh, we like steals and blocks, as, as be told by the 16 steals last night. So, D boards are th- something we have to focus on. And, and I think, again, once a cook starts accumulating more minutes, you can allow him to go after shots and Whaley to get rebounds and vice versa. So getting both those guys in the mix plays a big role. Justin, speaking of those steals, there at times it felt like we just had a vacuum out there. Just every ball was getting caught by a UConn player going right the other way. I loved how they pushed tempo right afterward. They're obviously hunting Polly for those transition threes, but also making a lot of nice plays with other guys. What did you see out there? Were they just playing more aggressive than normal with a little more confidence? I know they came out in zone a little bit. We do a really good job of causing chaos on the defensive end. I think our bigs, especially Whaley, do a really good job of getting after their guards outside the three-point line and, and kind of causing them to panic. And it's it's difficult to see over guys, whether it's a six, six poly with a massive wingspan or Brendan Adams who comes at you like a bat out of hell with lanky arms. Um, you know, you're prone to make mistakes with that much pressure at all times. And we like to fly around in the half court. So, you know, I think our, our bigs, especially the – especially Josh Carlton in all honesty, he's, he's looked like a completely different guy in the defensive end, being able to move, uh, move on ball screens and get in good positioning. So I think, I think that's a testament to us being defensive first. And Hurley said after the game, if you can't play defense, you're not going to play for this team. So I think that's what our calling card is. And I think that's who we are. And I think we like playing defense in the half court and causing the havoc that we do. And, and I will say Whaley, Whaley, Whaley's been exceptional to start the year, especially blocking shots. Um, my recent Ken Palm subscription as of today tells me last year a cook blocked, just to put this in perspective, a cook blocked roughly 9.8% of two-point attempts while he was in the game. At this point this year, Isaiah Whaley's at exactly 9.8% of two-point attempts blocked for the minutes he's played. So, you know, Whaley's playing at the level that that a cook was in terms of in terms of block shots last year, which is, you know, up there top five, top ten in the country. So We've gotten a ton of efficiency out of him, and I think you're starting to see, you know, again, you start playing a Cook and Whaley together, and you're looking like the UConn of the mid-2000s where anything going up near the rim is getting sent into the second row. Absolutely dangerous combo once they get going together. It's going to be beautiful to watch. Yeah, one thing going off what Justin said, uh, one thing I had in my notes from the Butler game was 
uh, intense on defense, hedging, trapping, active hands, forcing the opponent's hand. Another thing I wrote down, half of our guys on UConn, so we're talking about the Whaleys, we're talking about RJ Cole, we're talking about Martin, Brendan Adams. They're not, you know, top-end talents in Division One basketball. So their edge is their energy and effort. So that's what Hurley demands out of his players and demands out of his team. And they deliver for him because they – they believe in, in him and that system. I also think it's a benefit to us to obviously get those steals and get out in transition because we're not the best half-court team on offense. So getting those points in transition is a really important thing for us uh, right now moving forward. So let's let's transition to a, a new part of the show this week where we recap about our stories of the week. Uh, Matt, what, what do you got for me across the college basketball world this week? I, uh, I scoured the news clippings, and the best one I came up with is uh, it's actually something right near us. BU basketball having to wear masks in their game against Holy Cross on the court. That's something that's just tough to see. It looked like an Armero League out there, but I guess Patriot League practically is. So, Also, I, I w- I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Mermaid Man, our, our buddy Danny Hurley, got his mask stuck uh, below his nose there a little bit. You gotta think. You gotta think that wearing a mask when you're playing has gotta affect gameplay. And how much does it really stop the virus? I'm, you know, I'm no Fauci, but dudes are playing with the same ball and shooting snot rockets across the court, anyways. At some point, you just have to make a commitment to play basketball, and uh, that's tough to do when you're wearing a mask. But God bless those kids. All right, Ben. What do you got uh, across the college basketball landscape this week? So the big news we heard out of Morgantown, West Virginia, a couple of days ago was West Virginia sophomore Oscar Shubway announced to the team on January 1st that he was going to be departing from the team for, quote unquote, personal reasons. And personal reasons, that means a lot right now, referring to uh, what our boy Kyrie Irving's going through, but I won't get into that. So Oscar Shubway notified Bob Huggins that he was going to be leaving the team for personal reasons. And we later find out that Shubway committed to University of Kentucky as a transfer. With this news, Huggins was quoted saying, I think it's the world we live in, Tony. I mean, uh, it's better to steal than it is to to work, you know, and and earn things. It's it's take the easy way out. And and, uh, I think there were some people involved who saw where they could uh, benefit maybe profit and uh, work very diligently at trying to get him out. So just, you know, using my brain here a little bit, I have a feeling Bob Huggins could be referring to coach Cal uh, over there in Kentucky. So, I mean, Shubway was no slouch. He averaged 11 and nine for, for the Mountaineers last year as a freshman uh, six, nine big guys. So this is a big hit for Huggins, but I kind of love to hear him stir the pot because as we all know, Cal Pari, despite all the winning, he doesn't have the best, uh, recruiting reputation there in, uh, in college basketball. Yeah. The top, top 30 recruit. I love Huggins telling it like it is. He's, he's always been that type of guy who's not shy to say what's on his mind. And is there a more hated guy in college basketball than John Calipari? Honestly, I, I don't know one guy no. besides Kentucky fans who like him. And with ESPN tooting the Kentucky horn all day, it's seeing Huggins come out uh, with a comment like this. Just everyone sits up in their chair a little bit when they read it. So there's definitely more where that came from, too. 
they don't make them like huggy anymore. That's all I'm going to say. And also, no. uh, speaking of people transferring, we haven't really touched on our boy Javante. Yeah. Yeah. Su- surprising, but, you know, ultimately he was recruited by, uh, by Kenya Hunter who left to go to Indiana. So that some people think that's where the landing spot will be, but it didn't seem like there was any bad blood on the announcement. No. And the thing for me is I'm kind of with you. It seemed like kind of a young kid who was obviously making a huge jump coming here and playing when he lost Hunter, who was someone who was probably, he felt the closest with maybe he, he just didn't feel comfortable anymore and, and wanted to kind of reevaluate from there. So I respect his decision, but sad to see him go. Obviously, the sky's the limit for him. He's an absolute monster. So we'll see what happens to him down the road. Wish him yeah, all I the think, best. I think Hurley described him as a, a lump of clay when he got here, meaning, you know, this guy is just touching the surface of the potential he has. And guys knew he was a project when they recruited him, 17 years old, when he stepped on the UConn campus. So, I mean, that, that guy's got years ahead of him and years to progress and, you know, wish him all the best, wish he was still here, but opens up another scholarship spot for next year. Yeah, Javante was an exciting player uh, when Hurley would put him in at the end of those games uh, at the start of the year. I got excited seeing him go on the floor. It's almost like, like watching Taco fall for the Celtics. You just get – you want to see what he can do out there and see, you know, what he's capable of. Um, but we touched on last – I think last time we spoke, we touched on the um, – the future depth uh, for next year's squad for the big men. And we were trying to figure out how this is all kind of going to work together. So I'm wondering if Hurley had a sit down with a couple guys, whether it was Javante and then also Richie Springs, because I also saw a quote up there on Richie Springs and Hurley said that Richie's well aware of the depth they have moving forward. So hopefully that's good news for Richie and that he's around to stay in willing to put in the work to earn his keep and get some playing time, similar to what Whaley has done. Look at Whaley today. So, you know, I hope, hope for the best for Javante. I think he's a promising player, but I'm excited with, uh, you know, obviously that open scholarship that you guys mentioned and the depth that we have for years to come. Gentlemen, obviously we are supposed to be looking forward to the Villanova game this Friday. Honestly, a blessing in disguise given book night's injury that they're shut down due to COVID. We have three massive games next week. Obviously, cannot be more excited about the road ahead. What are you boys seeing up there? Yeah, St. Uh, John's, St. John's, Xavier, and, and Creighton are three huge games for us. Um, you know, we know what we're going to get with Creighton second time around. Xavier's been playing teams tough, and, and St. John's was favored tonight um, playing against Providence, so they're no slouch either. So so three big games, I think, the like you said, the blessing in disguise to get Boot Nike some – some extra rest and get the young guys some extra rest. And especially in a COVID environment where everything is, you know, hyper, hyper focus, good to get a, get a week's rest here and, and get some practices in. Yeah, I agree to admit, I haven't given uh, St. John's a watch yet, but I think they've gone through a bit of a struggle recently, but Xavier's no slouch. They're 10 and two. Um, and Xavier's always a tough team. They're always scrappy, uh, similar to the, the Cincinnati teams we've seen in the past. So that's going to be a good matchup, a very high intensity matchup. And then, yeah, like you said, Creighton, uh, that's going to be a good game next week. And hopefully, obviously want the best for book night and whatever return date works best for him is what we hope for, but uh, it'd be nice to have him for all three. Justin, obviously we watch a lot of college basketball during the week. What's a game that you're looking forward to? Yeah, I guess, I guess before that even credit back to Dr. Omen for his, uh, two-week analysis on Book Knight's return 
we'll see if this holds true, but uh, WebMD is sometimes accurate or you look up that you got a, a headache in the back of your eye and next thing you know, you're going to the hospital. So, you know, it's, it's hit or miss, but it seems like you made the right assessment here so far. I'm not accredited, but I, I do have a good gut instinct. That's why I consider my biggest strength as a medical practitioner. Great. So, so game I'm looking forward to this week, you know, Monday you get Kansas Baylor, which is six V two, but the game I'm looking forward to most is Saturday. You have Virginia and, and Clemson and Clemson has been a surprise team so far this year, both two super defensive minded teams, um, top 10 in defensive efficiency between the two of them. So that's, that's the game I'm looking forward to. Sully, what about you? I'm looking at the uh, Big Ten matchups we got going on Saturday. We have 21 Ohio State versus 14 Illinois. See our boy Kofi Cockburn take advantage of the paint in there. So the one that got away. He was a Husky, but the one that got away, I know. And then we also have the Michigan Minnesota. So that's a seven versus 23 matchup. It's looking like the Big Ten is is kind of stacked this year. They I think they have six teams in the top 25. Always fun watching Big Ten basketball. So. I'm uh, looking forward to those games. A lot of big athletes out there, a lot of big boys knocking around. Also, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on outside of college basketball, as we talked about before. With everything going on, Justin, how did we get videos of a middle-aged man eating hot sauce on Twitter? So there's been a, I'll call it a trend or phenomenon. We'll see if it holds uh, holds true through the rest of the season, but UConn fans have been eating I've seen spoonfuls, I've seen shots, I've seen, I think it was someone eating it off a banana. If this becomes in, in, our- In coffee? In coffee. If this becomes our thing as we're making a run in the tournament towards the end of the season, I'm all for it. And my, you know, my good friend, Sean Fern, shot me a text today saying, I think we got to start thinking about eating hot sauce after games. So I, I may jump on the bandwagon, quick plug for them. They've partnered with Husky Ticket Project who helps the Connecticut youth experience UConn athletics and takes donations and buys tickets for, for games. So kids can go for free and experience what that's like um, raised over $4,000 as of, you know, noon today. So they're on an absolute roll. Um, so I'm, I'm eating hot sauce after the next win. I challenge both of you to do the same. Um, and all the Husky fans out there, we can, we can be the weird guys from Connecticut who have cows and hot sauce at, as our, as our go-to. I drink my coffee black, but I think uh, I'm going to be adding a little franks to it from now on. Yeah, I just got on the uh, Cholula grind, so I'll be dripping, dripping in some Cholula into my black coffee as well. Go skis. All right, guys. Great show today. Great talking with everyone. I'll see you guys next week. All right, guys. Thanks, Matt. Go skis. Go skis.